Hi, this is DJ Spaceship from Waves of the Bay, giving you a friendly reminder about our 2022 Summer Fun Drive from June 7th to the 14th. You can donate by phone at 813-238-8001 or via the tip jar at WMNF.org. Hi, this is Miss Julie. Our week-long Summer Fun Membership Drive is from 9 a.m. to midnight on Tuesday, June 7th through Monday, June 14th. We are seeking food donors to help feed our hungry and grateful volunteers. Restaurants, caterers, or chefs can find out more about donating drinks, snacks, or individually packaged meals by calling me at 813-238-8001 or email M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E at WMNF.org. Thanks! Support for WMNF comes from our listeners like you and Replay Guitar Exchange in South Tampa, specializing in new, used, vent and u- vintage guitar amps and related gear. Replay Guitar Exchange's mission is to provide the right guitar to the right player for the right reason. More at ReplayGuitarExchange.com. Welcome to Live Music Showcase here on 88.5 WMNF Tampa. I'm your host, Ken Apperson. We do this thing live here every week, every Friday at 2.06 p.m. This week is a, is a very unique episode. It's very special uh, because it's, a, it's kind of a crossover episode of sorts, simply because the show that follows this show every single week, The Rhythm Revival with Billy, Billy Wirtz, Reverend Billy Wirtz, every week they provide you guys, you listeners out there with some of the coolest content I've heard on radio in a really long time because frankly, they play the legendary music by the legendary performers and they play music by those performers you you may have never heard before. And in between that, uh, Reverend Billy also provides his insight as far as like stories from the road and being a musician over the years. And we are lucky enough today on today's episode to have Mr. Reverend Billy <laughs> in the house. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. Yeah, we, we, we try to do that every week, myself and Marvelous Marvin. And uh, we, we try to play music and engage in, we try to take it up from one level of conversation to engage in what we call banter. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> banter. Is that a French that, word that, I haven't yeah, yeah, Well, it means, it, means, it means something along the way that relates to, no, but seriously, I mean, we do. We try to, uh, like I say, I often say, you may not have heard 90% of the music, but I hope that you love 100% of it when we're done. One of the things that we did and we have always done is to break the and that you do and that one of the purposes of a station like WMNF is to break the lines that have been set up arbitrarily this is white music this is black music yeah this is country music this is this is that's bull and it's all either good music or it's not and yeah. so you know a lot of the people that were pioneers we were just talking in the office that the number one influence on a rockabilly guitar was a LGBTQ uh, member of the LGBTQ community named Rosetta Tharp, a middle-aged uh, African-American woman that was doing the duck walk 20 years before Chuck Berry. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And sort of like the first song I'm going to play today is by a guy named Moon Mullican. Moon Mullican was listed as a country artist, but basically couldn't get played on country radio because they said he sounded too black. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a, a hybrid style 
Um, and once again, being here in Florida, we're right on what used to be called the Chitlin Circuit. Mm-hmm. And then also you had sort of the, the barbed wire circuit, which was the country version of it. Am I talking too much or we just we end up where we need to be? Oh, don't mind me. I'll be in the bathroom <laughs> if you need me. I'm good. No, no, you're all set. But Reverend Billy's going to play some of his music because I don't know if you get to hear it very often on his show, but he actually is a really accomplished musician with a, uh, a long list of accomplishments in the music industry as well. And I can't wait to hear about, uh, you know, some stories on the road. Sure some things that you've been through and dealt with you know uh personally i i think that when i first started doing this which the my anniversary my one year anniversary of doing this is actually coming up in in just a few weeks right uh immediately i started listening to you and to marvin and and immediately i was like okay these are the guys i need to listen to to figure out how to how to do this right to some degree of of you know uh well success if i could possibly so He's going to play a few songs. Let's hear your first song, man. Okay, Let's hear this it. is... I'm going to start off with the Moon Mulligan tune. This is a, a good song for the times. This is called Let's Make Friends. Now make friends with the rich. You make friends with the poor. Make friends with the high. Let's make friends with the low. Even that itty-bitty child, you ought to greet him with a smile. While traveling through this world, make friends Make friends, make friends, make friends, you gotta make friends. Traveling through this world, make friends. Wear a smile, not a frown. Don't you put nobody down while traveling through this world. Make friends. Come on, Boogie Woogie. strong folks will talk some trash and you know they'll treat you wrong but you just can't miss when you just remember this while traveling through this world make friends make friends make friends make friends you gotta make friends traveling through this world make friends wear a smile not a frown don't put nobody down traveling through this world make friends Traveling through this world, make There it is. I love it. Live music showcase here on 88.5. Man, uh, so making friends, talking about making friends. So you said at the beginning, this is a, a really relevant song for these times right now. Well, absolutely. And I think that one of the things that we try to do is present music that may have been written. 20, 30, 40, 50, even 60 years ago, that good music is timeless, okay? And good art is timeless. And whether it be uh, more of the pedestrian folk kind of thing that we find in a simple song or, you know, visual arts, all of that. And one of the things that I think that's good about the times we live in is younger folks like this that have never heard some of these artists go, that sounds kind of interesting. 
can go to YouTube and access it. You know, back in the yeah. back in the days when you and I were growing up, <laughs> by golly, we had to go to a record store and then they had to order it. Fifteen you know, and, miles <laughs> uphill in the snow, both ways, no <laughs> shoes. I'm just messing with you. And, and 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 you know, and that was it. And it was that. And then when you wanted to learn something, you know, if you wanted to learn a piano lick, if you wanted to learn. You had to sit there with that record going, wow, 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 same thing for, you know, but that was made it worth it. If you were trying to learn an instrument, you know, you had to put in the time for it. And See, I could talk for an hour about that exact concept because I have in multiple, in different states of sobriety, you know, with right. different people. But the reality to me, and this is, and tell me what you think about this, but, you know, it's like you said, uh, at, at previous generations, they really only had like four ways to access music. They could buy the record right. or the cassette or CD or whatever. They could buy it. They could wait for their song, one song from the record to play on the radio. And usually that was maybe once a day, yeah. if at all, because right. the rotations weren't nearly as heavy as they are now. They could maybe catch it in a movie or on TV if they got lucky, or they'd go see it live. Right. And that was it. So the work that you had to put into enjoying music made the love of that music i think it cultivated the love of that music much more than it is now because while that access is wonderful and especially the access to the, the knowledge and the and the information is right. wonderful the lack of work that is the the work isn't there anymore you don't have to do the work you hit one button you get the whole band a band's whole discography yeah you know and and so i, I find myself conflicted about that i i yeah it's a really good point and then it gets back to having radio stations like this. Yeah, exactly. And, and we grew up, probably half a generation before you, I'm going to be 68 in September, there was a radio station that I just did a big article on in the Blues Festival Guide called WLAC. WLAC came out of Nashville, Tennessee. It had a 50,000-watt directional AM signal. So this is, again, radio technology. And basically what that meant, it was like an umbrella at right. night. And it went all the way from Key West to Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. The DJs were these three old white guys, but they sat, talked in all the job. Yes, baby, you're listening to the Hossman Show right here on WLAC, honking that talk and walking that walk, jiving on down in D.C. You know, but they played black music and they yeah. played hardcore soul and, you know... You're not going to hear that on your local top 40 station playing Herman's Hermits. Yeah, back okay? then, yeah. But Absolutely. You, you had to seek it out. We would literally mm -hmm. get in our cars and drive around at night yeah. on the radio in the car. But that mm -hmm. was it. It was like it was like a buried treasure. You're exactly right, you know. That's it. Buried treasure. So so do you find that your in your career, did that really influence your love of music at an early age? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I... I had a pretty unhappy childhood, and the two things that kept me basically probably alive were drugs and music, okay? Yeah. And and they both kind of hit it about the same time. I mm -hmm. discovered drugs and, and blues at about 12 and a half, 13. Well, I discovered Elvis when I was about 11, and then <laughs> the first blues album that really... Well, I saw Muddy Waters live and with Otis Spann on piano, and that just completely was like, whew! You know, when, when I heard Spann do that... You know, my whole world just went boom. Mm -hmm. And but between that and then the first Paul Butterfield album, yeah. And so, yeah, I think there's key points. You know, again, you could look at a record here and there and say, yeah, that one was the one that did it for me. And and so, absolutely. And and um, 
then it just kind of goes from there. It becomes an addiction, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And, and whatever that opens up that endorphin trail and just, you know, there's, that's the thing about, for me, music is not just something I listen to. It's that, it's that you physically feel it. Yeah, you know? and I hear it in your voice when you talk about it, too. Sure. Like, and not just here now, like on your show. Oh, it's yeah. truly one of the most captivating things about your show. And I think it's one of the most captivating things about this station and DJs on this station, too. Sure. Speaking of this station, coming up next week is the station-wide pledge drive. Now, what does that mean? That means that in order to maintain this station's independence, in order to maintain this station, <laughs> keep the lights on, really, we don't rely on commercials. We don't rely on businesses giving us large sums of money here at the station. What we rely on is people like you listening right now and watching right now on the live stream finding the kindness in your heart to donate a few dollars that you have to spare to a station like this that provides this kind of content to the Tampa Bay area. And frankly, I mean, it's kind of amazing how big this station's reach is, how big the diameter of, I mean, we can reach people all the way down to, almost down to Sarasota, all the way out to almost Winter Haven, and it's all done by the dollars that people donate. We're the WLAC of community radio. Truly, yeah, it's <laughs> truly incredible. So, you don't have to wait till next week to donate. You can donate right now. All you have to do is go to WMNF.com and you can donate as much as you want to donate. I never say as little, always as much as. What did I say? Did I say .com or .org? Sorry, WMNF.org. I got excited. Bill, you got me excited. I'm saying .com. Let's hear your next song, man. All right, this is one because a good deal of our listeners are over the 50 mark. So I'm going to play this one. I'm going to play this one for Dennis and Tina in Brooksville, but especially for all the men out there over the age of 50. This is one I wrote one night when I was in a motel all by myself, and I found myself watching the Golden Girls and looking at Blanche and thinking to myself, yeah, I would. Anyway, so um, <laughs> at any rate, this is a song I wrote about the aging process called uh, What I Used to Do All Night Takes All Night to Do. It's Obviously, it's a blues song. Well, and in my case, when I get nervous, it's a short blues song. Look at that. He turned on the reverb for this. It's good. Leave it, leave it. hairs growing places they never grew before where it grew it ain't there no more time goes on brother it's true what i used to do all night <laughs> takes me all night to do i hope <clears throat> i'm just passing through what i used to do all night Takes all night to do I'm aged and mellow Like a good cut of steak Take me home, honey Before my expiration date I loved it when the girls Whispered soft and sincere Now they yell Put it in, baby They're talking about my miracle ear WMNF is not responsible For the content of this program Jalopy, I'm getting kind of creaky. The ride's still good even when my springs get squeaky. Goes into gear with a little bit of persuasion. The rear end wobbles and backfires on occasion. Like Lancelot told Guinevere, I love you, but it's rough. Once a king, always a king. For me, once a night, that's enough. Now I was rocking my baby, she said, Reverend O. 
Oh, daddy, I can't let you go. Don't get too happy. I'm going to give you a tip. You meant to grab your astroglide and you grabbed your polygrip. And that's a true story. Closerville Senior, that I am no 22. Sorry. What I used to do all night takes me all night to do. I'll do Piano Man in a minute. What I used to do all night take me all night to... What I used to do all night take me all night all night <laughs> all night to do Yeah, it does. <laughs> Deep fried and sanctified, Re- Reverend Billy William Billy Words. I almost called you Williams. I don't know why. Today. Okay. Well, I'm over here. I don't think I've ever smiled this much. Which is, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying myself every time I'm in here. But but man, I'm like I've got tears in my eyes, laughing well, it, at this stuff. It gets stuff. worse. The crew, the crew here, the camera crew running our live stream over here is like holding back their their laughter. <laughs> like we have to be quiet. We have to be quiet. We have to be quiet. It's okay if you guys laugh a little bit. So oh, yeah, we can yeah. get away with that. I think. Oh yeah. I think we get away with that. FCC doesn't care about uh, live streams anyway. But uh, they do care about broadcast. But anyway, if you're just joining us right now, my name's Ken Apperson. This is Live Music Showcase. We've got Reverend Billy in here from the Rhythm Revival. Rhythm Revival is every Friday right after this show at 3 o'clock. So if you're a regular listener to this show, stick around for the Rhythm Revival as well. Who knows? You might actually learn a thing or two and have a good time doing it, I think, at least. So uh, you mentioned in uh, before that last song, you mentioned uh, talking about addiction, talking about that kind right. of stuff. I don't want to get too serious because, frankly, I think we're it's having okay. a good time. But... I always, for, there's so many people out there that struggle, especially musicians right. that struggle with addiction and struggle with that that kind of thing. You find your way out of it, right? You find your way through it, right? And I, you know, as, tell me if I'm wrong. It's not necessarily something you can be cured of, but it's something you learn to live with and you learn to uh, overcome on a daily basis. Well, <laughs> believe it or not, after years and years, okay. Um, I stopped drinking in 84. Okay. Um, basically, the doctor was like, you're a big guy. This is the third time you've been here this summer because of drinking. Next time you come back, I'm going to put you in Western State, which is the mental hospital, for 30 days. Now, you choose, make your choice. There were no, back then, there were none of these nice treatment centers, you know. So, sure. But I went the 12-step route and really helped a lot. Um, I, I have a, a lot of uh, good positive experiences with 12-step programs. They have their pros and, and cons, you know, but, but sure. pros, I think, definitely when you're first starting to try and get your life straightened out without the, you know, the little chemical help, it's a good place to go. Um, what happened after that was um, the years and the rigors of the road began to catch up to me. And I got kidney stones, which are oh, I call yeah. Satan's BBs. <laughs> and they're the most god-awful, painful, horrible things. A, 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 you know, a Vicodin's not going to do it. You got to yeah. have some Demerol. And yeah. so um, I got basically a medically addicted. I had 20 kidney stones in 10 years. The problem is, is that when you take the opiates, you're dehydrating yourself, you dehydrate yourself, you're building the kidney stones, you know, and it's like That's a it. circular pattern. Vicious cycle. Um, what worked for me finally was a combination of a couple of things. There's, there are now some new, what they call medically assisted therapies out there. Yeah. And I used a medicine called Suboxone. And Suboxone is like a film that you can take, and it, and it hits all the little receptors. And should you want to get off opiates completely, you can get on this stuff, and it takes about a year, and you just kind of gradually detox down a little bit. It's a little bumpy getting off, but it really works. Um, in my case, I got off of it, but I have dealing with chronic pain, so my doctor put me back on a small dose, which I still do on a daily basis. Yeah. I'm going to have to be honest about this and say that I never enjoyed marijuana recreationally. I just, it didn't mix with the pills. It made me paranoid and sure, itchy. Sure, and, and yeah. so 
after I got off of them, I had a doctor that said, why don't you try a little medical marijuana to help deal with the, because you take all these things out of your system and you have to deal with the depression and just the, you just get these black holes. They're just out of nowhere. You just pull over and it's just like, yeah. And just a little bit really, really made a big difference. And so I'm advocating here for my sake that sometimes it's not a matter of getting off everything. It's Mm -hmm. a matter of finding out what works, okay, and keeping your life manageable. My life couldn't be any more manageable than it is now. I have a great life. I have a nice car. I have a wonderful wife. Look at what comes first. (laughs) In that order, no. (laughs) You know, we do cat rescue, and I feel like my time is well used. And so that's me. I call it my green sobriety, but it's worked real well for me, and so that catch it up there. But, yeah, it's something that I think it comes as a result of, creative people you know those of us like yourself or myself that you have this itch that has to be scratched and if you're not writing a new tune or you're not coming up with something you tend to self-medicate see yeah that's the thing to fill that gap it does and i i think that that's why you see so many creative people end up spiraling down that road sometime myself i i stopped drinking about three years ago three and change now i'm I'm going to say, you know, anytime, I mean, you can, you can relate to this too. Anytime you told anybody you quit drinking first thing, what do they say? Oh, congratulations. Oh, right. that's so great. Good for you. I'm not a person that struggled with it. I was lucky. I got lucky. I, I didn't have that in me. So for me to stop drinking, it was really just a, a I practiced a little bit in, in the sense of I would go, okay, I'll wake up one day and I'll stop drinking for two right. weeks or a month or six months or whatever. And then at a certain point I said, you know what? These hangovers are just too much and my emotions are all over the place i'm not getting anything done at the end of the day what's more important to me and i decided to stop drinking and i stopped and i got and like i said i was lucky i didn't have that that itch like Mm. you say and one of the big things is that there's no buzz any better than playing music or doing what we're doing here i mean i'm sure you walk out of here with your feet 10 feet off the floor Mm -hmm. after a good show but yep. then you go home, or if you're on the road, you go back to that motel room, and here you are, you know, a guy from St. Louis that's doing this gig here that's still broke like every musician. <laughs> now what? Right. And that's where you have a tendency, or mm-hmm. I would have a tendency to go out and seek the wrong thing. Sure. So, you know? Sure. So to those out there, and I mean, I'm really glad you talked about opiates, too, because opiates are rampant in the Florida, in the state of Florida. It's a, it's oh, a huge problem. People. They're, they're killing people. Fentanyl in them. Yeah. I said an F word. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You caught it. You caught yeah. it. That was a good catch. But I mean, uh, it's a problem and so to hear someone like you who you have that confidence and you have that voice because you've been there right i think that to any listeners out there right now that are struggling with this hear reverend billy and you know one of the things i hear musicians say all the time too is they say well you know i don't play as good when i'm sober no you don't at first i'm not as good sober at first right but listen to reverend billy right now listen to the way that he plays this next tune and listen to how much joy he has in the music that he plays this is and very tell me if he sounds like a broken man or if he sounds <laughs> like he's like hamstring because he's sober well i'll tell you what i've got a very appropriate song for this because as we know show business has its ups its downs you have the the highs and the lows mm-hmm. this is a song when i was eight years old my parents moved us from South Carolina, and we lived in a little town that was like almost like a Mayberry. We moved to the Washington, D.C. area, and the kids were all from up north, and I was this tall kid with a southern accent, and I had a little bit of a speech impediment, and they used to tease me real bad, and my mom decided that one of the best things to do for me was to sign me up for Cub Scouts. So I joined the Cub Scouts, and back then in Washington, D.C., we had this Saturday morning cartoon show And we had this clown named Cousin Cupcake. (laughs) He was the guy that would show the cartoons, right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, if you did good things for the community, you would get to go with the Cub Scout pack and be on the Cousin Cupcake Show. So sure enough, we sold a bunch of candy bars and we, we had a, a, a big bake sale. And they said, okay, you guys are going to go on Cousin Cupcake. We're like, oh boy, Cousin Cupcake, here we go. <laughs> so at any rate, we get in there and they sit us down in these bleachers and it's really cold and dark. And they said, okay, when Cousin Cupcake comes out, you guys are going to have to make a lot of noise. Going, oh boy, Cousin Cupcake, Cousin Cupcake. At any rate, the lights go up. And this ratty old nasty looking clown comes riding out on a bicycle or a unicycle, rides right into the wall and screams the S word. We looked at each other like, did you hear what Cousin Cupcake just said? <laughs> to make it worse, he walked over and he said, hi fellas. And he leaned over my best buddy Jeff Barnes and he made a small but noticeable <laughs> like that. He cracked one right on top of Jeff Barnes's head. <laughs> When I was in counseling years later, the therapist said, you seem to have something of a, a, a callous attitude towards life. And I said, well, I've had things happen. When clown, never mind. At any rate, <laughs> one night I was coming home from one of those gigs where you wonder why you do this with your life, and I got to thinking of old cousin Cupcake, and I wrote a song for him. Cotton candy on my sleeve Confetti in my hair Someone left a Cub Scout hat Busted balloons laying everywhere Glad them little kids can't see me All the faith they'd lose Damn unicycles got a flat again Old Cousin Cupcake has got the blues doing the weather somehow it all ended here well you know where you can find me same place same time every year help me get this wig off I ah, damn I hate these shoes pass that paper bag son it helps old cousin cupcake chase away the blues Well, the kids are all grown up. The wife left a couple of years ago. Ran off to Reno with some bozo from the other show. Life can kind of get rough, but you just don't let it slip. The sponsors get nervous when you say, okay, kids, watch today while Cousin Cupcake loses his grip. Got a note last week 
they're going to cut my show in half. First time in 20 years, I'm going to have to lay off some of my staff. Got a note from a concerned parents group. <laughs> Sorry, old clown, you lose. Your cartoons have outdated stereotypes. That gives old cousin Cupcake and Scooby-Doo the blues. Sorry you had to see me like this. Hope you weren't too shocked. Hate to kick you all out of here, but got a birthday gig at the mall at 3 o'clock. Guess and get them shut eye. Time to grab a little snooze. Good night, boys and girls. Old cousin Cupcake, he's got the blues. Say your prayers before you go to bed. Remember, cheaters always lose. Good night, kids. Old cousin Cupcake has got the blues. Awesome. <laughs> I like that. And I, I hear this in, in a lot of your, your music. Uh, this is a live music showcase, by the way. We're, we're live in studio here with uh, Reverend Billy Wirtz of the Rhythm Revival. You're, it's, it's funny. There's comedy. Like, obviously, like you won a, a comedy award for, for best, funniest right, album yeah. of the year, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's funny and it's parody, but the, the, it's like the sad clown thing, yeah. especially that song in particular, mm -hmm. obviously. But, but but I hear that so like there's always this consistent current through a lot of musicians and a lot of their songwriting and and I I have this as well which is um, pain sure <laughs> it's there you know I, there there are musicians I, I've argued this at times where you have to have endured some kind of pain to be a good artist in my in some people's opinion I don't know if I always agree with that sometimes I agree with it sometimes I don't but I like that you took that pain wherever it came from and you channeled it right into this music the pain's there but we're laughing and this, we're not laughing at you we're laughing with you it feels well, like well the whole thing is that's the entire basis of the blues and why yeah. the blues exist the blues was this existential philosophy to help these people that were otherwise marginalized and were at the bottom of every chain in the world, literally, and, and, and what a choice Everywhere. of terms, but it helped you get through the next day. I always say, people ask me, what's the difference between blues and gospel? Gospel says that no matter how bad, no matter how the world gets, with a little bit of faith and a little bit of hope, it'll get better. Blues says, <laughs> don't count on it. Yeah. You know? But... We can sometimes laugh to get through the pain, and we realize that it's stormy Monday and Tuesday is just as bad. But the whole idea of 
blues at its best is not some endless guitar solo. It's not a whole bunch of hollering and yelling. It's the guy on stage. It's Bobby Bland delivering his sermon in the secular temple of Ruthie's, you know, bar. And the guys that are out there who just lost his job as a bus driver in Oakland, California is going, I know what you're talking about, brother. Thank you. And that's exactly what it's about. Or, you know, the, the side of, of, you know, the, the spiritual side of, of sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, uh, 3622, Yield Not to Temptation, all these biblical references that make the absolute best blues songs. You know, Muddy Waters said that you can't understand the blues if you haven't been to church. Yeah. Yep. So I think that that's, that's a real good. And, and yeah, I think that that's exactly what, <clears throat> as a live performer, and you know this, that if you can predict where the guy's going to go, you know, and that's one thing I found that I, I do a lot of comedic stuff and a lot of, you know, straight to the gut strip joint, stick out your can, here come the garbage man, you know, <laughs> where they think you're going to say the F-bomb. But sure. there's plenty of room for that. But if you do that and that and that, you wear them out, and, you know, comedically, and it's always about throwing a curve at the audience. You know, I dropped Cousin Cupcake about the middle of the show. I'll play another one here. Yeah. That, you know, do you want a funny one or do you want a serious one? Which Or do you want a combo? You know what? <laughs> well, before we do that. Okay. Before we do that, I, I'm, I'm always curious to know, you know, when it comes to, how do I put it? The the style of music that you're playing. So like you said, the blues. How, right. What's one of the biggest questions you I've heard personally uh, people ask about the blues? Well, if it's called the blues, why doesn't it sound sad? And you just hit the nail on the head. That's it right there. The lyrics, sure, I lost my job, I lost my wife, my my best friend slept with my wife, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The content is is bummer music, but the feel is is the means by which to process it. Well, there's also an important thing that you're talking when you say blues, you're talking in terms of a representation of a genre. You, yeah. It's also a song form. It's true. In other right. words, blues is the twelve bar. Right. If you tell a musician it's a standard blues form, he'll mm-hmm. know that it's a 12-bar, three-chord. And so that's mm-hmm. the important thing. Also, that's the note in that you have your regular. But it's the African blue note. That one right there. Yeah. That note was considered a devil note. If you played that in churches in England, they would literally take your hands and boil them in oil. But, you know, that's the thing that gives you, no, you know, if you play. Got my mojo working. It just don't work on you. Mm-hmm. Or. Got my mojo. You know, right there. Yep, that there it is. It that edge. Mm-hmm. So it's it's also that, that blue note. But, yeah, the style is important there. And that is the problem that a lot of people say, I don't like blues because they think it's depressing music. That has to do with those that present it. Sure. And, again, as you well know, a lot of people think that because it has a simple three chords, whether it's blues, whether it's, you know, visual art, the primitive, the simple, that's the hardest one of all. That's it. Right there. It's That's taking it. away from it. It's what you don't play. Albert King is a great it's guitar player play. because he doesn't play. He holds one note, one note. You know, just that, just yep. one note for 12 bars. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, the audience is just going berserk. Waiting for that next change. Exactly. And no matter what it is, it right. creates that release of tension and you've hooked them. Tension and release. Tension and release, yeah. Mm-hmm. Con- it's a basic songwriting concept that is lost on so many of your songwriters. Right. I'm, uh, we're like right on the edge of like diving into the music nerd part of my brain. So it's I'm okay. going to refrain. I love it. I love it. Uh, I want to hear your next song. Let's okay. hear it. Let's do it. All right. Let's, uh, do a, let's do a serious one. Let's do okay. it. Okay. 
Well, I'll play another one. It's a cover, but I always do this. I played with um, Patsy Cline's old steel player and bass player. Yeah. In Virginia. And I played with some of the old blues singers uh, and blues players. I played with Sonny Land Slim. I lived with Sonny Land Slim in Chicago and played with some of those guys. Uh, this is a song that we used to play at a place called the Country Palace when the fights would break out on Saturday night and we would have to calm them down. And this was before the days of like the Brazilian rainforest CDs and that kind of thing. This is a country <laughs> lullaby. But it, this is a, a, a great example. A guy by the name of Floyd Kramer, okay, is the, the guy that when we talk about country piano is the guy that represents it. Now, what he did was, he took, I'll show you, he took these chords. And all he did was, he added a grace note here and one above, and you get... There it is. It adds this sadness to it. It adds a kind of a haunting. So, I'm going to play a little bit of Last Day, just because I always play it, and then uh, knock a little shake, rattle, and roll out of it. But at any rate, here's one for Floyd...
<laughs> nice, very nice. You're, I'm I'm so jealous of your of your ability to play keys. I I dabble a little bit, but I've never gotten to the point of being really proficient. Guitar is really my instrument more than anything. Uh, but you know what? May I know that uh, I I kind of you know I read your bio and I, I looked oh. you up a little bit and I know like was your first instrument was guitar, right? Yeah, for a very brief period of time, okay. and then uh, Patty Mar Patty Patty uh, Winnemeyer, mm-hmm. who sat in front of me in the homeroom. Uh, I got my first crush on Patty Winnemeyer. She was the the first girl to sort of develop into teenhood in in uh, my seventh grade class, and I also um, she was a W, and I'm a Worth, so she got right in front of me, and um, she and I danced to uh, a, at my first boy girl party, and I fell it's hopelessly in love with Patty, and there was a guy in my neighborhood named Mike Marlin, and he played organ, and I thought, well, maybe if I play the organ, I'll get her attention. Well, he quit playing it, and I learned the first. What was my first? I learned the Ballad of the Green Beret. So at any rate, I just started with that. And then uh, I goofed around on the organ for a few years as a teenager. And then I got kicked out of the band. So what I did was I worked in record stores. And I, started, I did the learn how to DJ. and got my license in, at University of Georgia. And that was where the art students that used to all hang out at this one coffee house used to smoke cigarettes. And they would growl at everybody. And a year later, I'd go in. And there they are on the cover of an album. It was the B-52s. Oh so. <laughs> but I didn't play music again till I was in my early 20s. And I started uh, working at a camp for uh, the mentally challenged. In that's I have a degree in special ed, and I was at this Winchester, this camp, and I was like the year-round manager. And I just got bored, and I was sitting there, and I started, you know, I knew the basic chords, and I started going. That stride sound, yep. And mm-hmm. I had an old Wurlitzer electric piano, and I got drunk, and I asked the local country band, "Hey, do y'all want a piano player?" And they were like, "Hell yeah, buddy!" <laughs> you know. So at any rate, and that was it. I mean, I knew a few things, but it was like. Again, it was that, you can call it Satori or whatever you want, but I learned well enough to be able to play a whole lot of shaking going on, and you know, and a few basic beats. And country music, piano players are really hard to come by, so right away they grabbed a hold of me. We are playing at a place called Four Corners Tavern in uh, Strasburg, Virginia. It was a Saturday night, and I can remember it smelled like cigarettes, and JD's cologne and 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 body odor of people that worked hard that never completely got that the smell of work off of them and 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 Marlboros and PBR and the smoke and the people just going you know and the place was rocking and I just said ah, this is what I want there was just something about that, that was moment it. that was it and the rest of it I tried for a couple of years to do other things, and it was a hopeless failure. You know, short order cook. I burned more sandwiches and almost ruined the restaurant business. And that was it. And what happened was I was playing with country bands around the area, and then Sunnyland Slim came to Virginia, and I just got decided to kind of help him out, take him around and be his chauffeur. And then he said, if you ever come to Chicago you know, we can hang out. So I wrote a letter to him and I said, I'm getting ready to graduate college here and I don't know what I want to do, but could I come out and say, meet you? And he wrote, had his uh, wife at the time, big time Sarah, wrote me this letter back that Sunnyland said, you are very kind. You can come to Chicago and stay with us. So, you know, I took him up on his word and I took a bus out there and Sunnyland came and picked me up and, and I think he might have forgotten who I was by then, but <laughs> then he was, oh yeah, you're the guy in Virginia, yeah, he was, you were like a son to me. And so I stayed with him and I mean, you know, the first day I'm there, 
And he goes, Billy, get the door. And I open the door, and there's Jimmy Rogers of the Muddy Water oh Band. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, my God. And it went from there. And Sonny was really kind to me, and he took me around. Then he put me on stage with a couple of guys that, you know, the first night I was there, uh, Lee Jackson, he said, get up there with Lee. And I said, no, 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 no. He said, get up there. You didn't come all this way to not play. So sure enough, and it was a... Uh, and he said, all right, take a break. And I went... <laughs> and I did my little run, and I said, thank you very much. And Lee Jackson said, sit down, man. You ain't got to go nowhere. And that was it. That's when it so, all changed. So actually, that, that brings up a good question. Because one of the things I hear musicians say all the time, both on this show and just like knowing the musicians right. in this area, and you've heard of this too, failure to launch. Like the fear of just like doing it. You know, like they'll, they'll sit around, they'll write music all day, but they'll, they won't have the courage to go out and record it. Or they'll record it, but then they'll be afraid to like put the money into like promote it, or you know all of that stuff. So they're like, "Well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that." You got those opportunities. Do you think that you got those opportunities because of your ability as a musician, or because of your confidence with a little bit of ability as well? Um, desperation. Desperation. <laughs> It helped okay. because I had old school Southern manners. Okay. Sonny Land was a, a 78-year-old African-American that was used to an old school hierarchy of the way that blacks and whites interacted. Sure. And, you know, I was very respectful, and I took him around. And at the time, I had a 63 Cadillac hearse. Ooh. So I picked him up, and I went, ink, ink, ink. And I could see him, and he, went, he came out, and he looked, and he went, what the is that and I said that's your ride he goes well won't be in the back soon enough might as well see what it's like from the front and he would do this Woody Woodpecker laugh <laughs> and that was it and we were off and running and he's telling me stories me and John Lee used to do this and I'm thinking John Lee Hooker no he's talking about John Lee Williamson there were Sonny Boy Williamson number one who died in like 1953 wow. Sonny Land is telling me his road stories were about playing cards with Big Bill Brunsey and Memphis Minnie you know yeah. I mean these people that were like legends out of storybooks are just like <gasps> and so yeah I mean it comes from opportunity yeah um, it does come from you know a certain amount of practice you know and, and a certain and I hate to say this but I think you understand this you guys, everybody in this room understands that, especially artistically, a certain amount of it's in the DNA. Yeah, okay, my just DNA, my DNA is not wired to the point that I'm a 13-year-old jazz prodigy. Okay, that I can sit out there. It's good enough, and because of the fact that my first music I listened to when my mother was a cop in South Carolina, my first babysitters were the black inmates in the jail cell, and I grew up listening to gospel music as a child. Another story. Yeah, but. <laughs> Anything that I listen to has to have rhythm. Sure. Or otherwise, mm -hmm. it, I'm just lost. And so I've always had a good sense of rhythm. It's called rhythm and blues. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, my a sense of rhythm at least got me to a certain point. And then uh, you got to just jump in the water. What I would say to somebody out there listening, if you're not sure, go to a couple of open mic nights. Try to, you'll know. You know, you get up yeah. there and people go, eh, you know, mm -hmm. don't try it. Try it a couple of three times. Mm -hmm. If you even get a little bit of applause from people that aren't completely drunk, well, come back and try it again. You know, don't quit your day job, you know. Not right away. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> but there comes a point, you know, I can kind of say, you'll know. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll know that if you, you at least have the goods for the whole idea is, can you get people to pay money and put their butt in the seat to hear you play it really doesn't need to be any more complicated than that because the businesses we can sit here and talk all day about the great aesthetics when i walk out of here yeah you walk out of here if i want to make a living at this 
if I'm going to go to Skipper Smokehouse or I'm going to go to Cottonmouth or any of these wonderful places, at some point the line becomes, can you put butts in seats and sell drinks and food? It's that simple. Truly. It truly is. And I, I mean, everything else is kind of ancillary beyond that, you know, because... Man, I mean, musicians do this too all the time. Artists do this too. We overthink. We overthink it. We overcomplicate it. Sure. You know, and, and it's like, well, I got to do this and this and this and this. Stop. If you're thinking that way, you're already shooting yourself in the foot. Right. Instead, simplify it. Think of one thing. This is what I used to do when I first started playing out because I didn't mean to play out for a living. I, t- I covered a gig for a guy one night. Right. And the manager liked me. So he hired me again. Next thing I knew, six months later, I had a full, you know, dance card of gigs four or five days a week. Now, like you said, some of that was opportunity and some of it was preparation, but a big part of it was simply just, I, I, and I did that with this show too. I would, I started and immediately I go, okay, what's one thing I can do right tonight? That's the only thing I'm going to do right tonight. Right. If I get a couple of things right, then I'm good. But, uh, that's the key. Keep it simple and you'll stop yourself from overthinking things. Right. You know? All right. So, we're coming up uh, for we're coming up to the end of the show. It flew by just like I thought it would. Right. Uh, right. We're we're here with Reverend Billy from the Rhythm, Rhythm Revival. Their show is on every Friday at three p.m. three to six, right? Yeah, yeah, three to six. Him and Marvelous Marvin. Great, great show. Make sure you guys stick around to listen to the Rhythm Revival because you're doing double duty today. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're in there <laughs> running that show as well. Uh, speaking of shows and speaking of this show, we have such a stellar crew of people running this show. We have so many people that work hard and everyone's volunteer. Everyone here is volunteer staff. Nobody's getting paid to be here. We're all very lucky to be here. We're very lucky to have the crew that we have. Uh, I'm going to go through everybody that's on the crew real quick just to give them a shout out. Mr. Mark Perfetti, our audio engineer. He's the reason why the show sounds as good as it does. Him and Reverend Billy today, of course. Uh, our post-production is Richard Stone. Our audio assistant is Pam Robinson. Bob Hoke is our video director. Our cameras, Marcy Connors and Ed Lehman. Our social media is Bree Shoemaker. Our camera, our photography is Chandler Collada. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And our, our board op today is Makai Caldwell. Thank you guys so much for doing all the work that you guys do to make this show as spectacular as it really is. Uh, before we go, I wanted to ask you, and maybe we keep it a little short just because we're coming up against it here, but, and maybe this is, this is an annoying question, but if you could take all of the experiences of your life, what's the one experience that stands out to you as a musician that was maybe the most important experience of your life as a musician? Important to you, not necessarily to the world around you, but what do you think was the first one that comes to your mind? Maybe not the most important, but maybe the first one that comes to mind. The, 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 that's a deep one, I know. The thing that really turned the corner was getting on stage in Chicago. Yeah, and that first with, time. With a bunch of you know guys that were the real deal. Yeah. The really weird side of it was it was the true blues experience because I sat in with this guy, Lee Jackson, for two nights, yeah. and he wanted to hire me for his road band. And two days later, he was murdered. Wow. So I ended up going to his funeral, and I had Buddy Guy sitting here, and Otis Rush sitting over here, and Sunnyland in front of me, and Jimmy Rogers is crying, and I'm holding him going, it's okay. Um, like, and that's, in your mind, you're like, is this happening I right was, now? I was just shaking the whole time. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was just numb because it was yeah. so surreal, and Sunnyland made me drive him over to the house, and he was crying, and there's blood all day. Yeah, so welcome to the real world buddy that's and it I, right there and, and at the same time i was like yeah okay you know this is real but but i've at least been allowed 
some interest into that. If it wasn't good enough, they would have said, nope, thanks, you know, keep going. Sure. So that was an important... And then... How much time? We got one more or we got... One more, yeah. Okay. We got enough time for one more. Got about four minutes left. Okay. Yeah. This is one that uh, is a big favorite down here. Because, you know, we have a lot of invasive species here in Florida. We have a problem with the pythons and the iguanas and some of those. And, and, and my grandfather was a herpetologist, you know. He didn't mean he'd had herpes. I mean, he worked with no, snakes. No, no, of at course. Any rate, at any rate so um, <laughs> she's going, why? <laughs> why do we have to work with this guy? And At any rate, so uh, this is a song I wrote about <laughs> the most dangerous species that comes here to Florida from generally November to March, known as the snowbird. It's a song I wrote after our near-death experience in St. Augustine, Florida, at the Cracker Barrel. Grandma, dear grandma, we gotta say goodbye. It's gonna be a cold winter here in Hackensack. Me and Ma, don't cry. You've weathered the storm, the big race of life's nearly run. Time to head down to the villages. To that 24-hour gated community with bus service in the mall on Wednesday and Friday. Double price bingo on Saturday. Two-for-one king crab legs. Limit one to a customer at the China Buffet in the sun. Look out! Look out, look out. Grandma's back of the wheel. Well, hey, hey. Grandma's back of the wheel. Riding down 75 in the big long automobile a Bobbing and a weaver like a she's been drinking Jersey plates on the late model Lincoln Stops on the green light, going on the red All you see is two hands and that little blue head Look out, look out, grandma's back of the wheel Riding down the road in the big long automobile One eye on the road, one eye on the map about the time of day for her to take a little crap nap. A 30 in the fast lane, a happy as can be. Bust on me at a Musilan, a Lawrence Wilkes CD. Look out, look out, grandma's back of that wheel. Riding down the road, the big long automobile. Sing along with me. Say drive, granny, drive. Everybody. A little louder, drive, granny, drive in the studio. Well, hey, hey, grandma's back of the wheel. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Say good luck to Victor Wainwright and all the folks with Southern Hospitality tonight at Skippers. I'm Reverend Billy. Let's go one more time. Drive, Granny, drive now, now. We will drive, Granny, drive everybody. Yeah, yeah, Grandma's back of that wheel. Look out, look out, Grandma's back of the wheel. Now let's go strolling Don't you just know it 
You got daddy rockin' when it ought to be rollin' Don't you just know it? Ha, 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 ha